0: Welcome to the Games for the Throne podcast, a podcast about the HBO series Game of Thrones. I'm your host, Courtney, a.k.a. Mother of Dragons. Welcome to Games for the Throne, the podcast. Um, today I'm going to be discussing episode 608, no one, and I'll just kind of be going through um, by character and geography or group of characters um and their location so starting with the hound we see these guys are talking in the woods about how to kiss a woman and this guy says he's going to show the other guy you can tell they're these really like low level guys it's a trick it's a joke they're all laughing and the hound comes up and he just starts swinging his axe and killing them like he cuts one of their heads off uh, the intestines spill out of one. It's really gross. And he wants to know where the man with the yellow cloak is that came up um, with them the other day um, to the little village. Uh, but the last guy won't tell him. So finally, he kills the last guy. Um, and then later on, he comes up on uh, Lord Beric Dondarian and Thoros of Myr, who we haven't seen since like season two or three and they're hanging a couple of men and one of them happens to be the man in the yellow cloak and the hound says that um, he has dibs on them you know what are they doing with them because technically they're all part of the same uh, brotherhood without banners and uh, Beric Dondarian says well they attacked this village they killed a Septon. they killed all these people and the hound says well that's what I want them for because I was living there that Septon was my friend Um, but Dondarrion says, well, you can't, you can have one of them, but the hound tries to negotiate for two and they finally come to an agreement, but then they say, well, you have to hang them. You can't cut them apart with your axe. And the hound says, well, you know, that's bullshit. But finally he kicks the bucket from beneath the yellow cloak and one of the other ones. Um, and yellow cloak actually starts to, um, try to, um, get the hound to give him some mercy but of course that doesn't happen so um then he takes the guy with the yellow cloaks boots that's just hilarious like the guy is sitting there he's still strangling to death and the hound's taking off his boots because why would you waste a good pair of boots beric and thoros ask him to join the brotherhood but you know he's not too keen on the idea he's not really a good person he's not really a follower but, um, Beric says, well, you know, that Lord of Light spared your life, you were able to beat me, and, um, there's a reason for that. You're a fighter, you've always been a fighter, and we really need you to go north, because we need to fight what's coming. So, I don't know if they know about the White Walkers, or they're referring to the Wildlings, or, um, they're referring to the Boltons and Winterfell. Um, in the book, The Brotherhood Without Banners is, um... They say that they're still King Robert's trusted men, like, um, you know, he, was, he died, they know something was up with the way he died, and they're really his justice, um, so not really sure whose side they're on here, but it seems like they know that something's going on. They're talking about the coldness up north, so it seems like maybe that they know about something about the White Walker army. Cersei's in her room in the Red Keep in King's Landing. Of course, she's drinking, the resident alcoholic that she is. Kyburn comes in. He tells her that some of the Faith Militant are inside the Red Keep and that Tommen is aware of their presence. She wants to know where Tommen is, and Kyburn tells her that Tommen is um, with some of them in prayer. So she comes out of her room. She sees Lancel Lannister... Um, who, of course, is her cousin, and um, he helped her kill Robert. Also, they were having an affair, um, but then, you know, he decided to go legit. Now he's all um, in the faith and everything, and he tells her that um, the High Septon wants her, which is the same thing as the High Sparrow, wants her to come to the Sept of Baylor immediately, She says, yeah, no, we had a deal that I could stay in the Red Keep until my trial. And he says, no, you never had that deal. He never promised that. You need to come now or we're going to have to take you by force. Well, of course, the mountain's with her. So he steps in front of her. So there's like five or six guys. They each are holding up weapons like they're going to fight the mountain. And um, he picks one of them actually goes to hit the mountain. He picks him up. He's like strangling him, he throws him across the room, then he goes over, reaches, and pulls the guy's jaw off of his face. So blood is running out through the Red Keep. Um, And also right before this, I forgot, um, Lancel told her that she must order the mountain to step aside or there will be violence, but she says, I choose violence. And that's what happens. So, um, the others after that decide, maybe it's not that important, we'll just come back later. And she tells them, we'll tell the High Sparrow that he's always welcome to visit. Then sometime later, Cersei and the Mountain and Kyburn are walking into the throne room. Everybody's gathered. Um, Cersei walks up to her uncle, Sir Kevin, who is the Hand of the King right now. And she says, I heard there's supposed to be a royal announcement. Why wasn't I informed? So, um, this must be where Jamie gets that uh, Lannister smartass from and Tyrion. Uh, because Sir Kevin says, yeah, so there's a royal announcement in the throne room right now. So, she goes up um, to go stand by Tommen and Sir Kevin says, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, you can't go up there. You get to go up there with all the other ladies of the court in the gallery, and that's where you can stay. Down here is for the men, up there is for the women, and you're just a normal lady of the court. So she's not too happy about that. Then Tommen sits down on the throne, and he announces that Cersei and Loras's trial will be soon. It'll be at the Sept of Baelor, and that he has decided to um, outlaw trial by combat. It's this archaic um, way of um, lords um, to be able to get out of things that they've done and and a way to cheat um, out of getting an actual trial and getting justice. And so he's going to outlaw that practice, which means that the High Sparrow... Uh, The High Septon somehow knew that Cersei was going to choose trial by combat and he has now intercepted another plan. So she's screwed because if she doesn't have trial by combat, she's got to go in front of seven Septons. This is seven men. No offense men, but that's not exactly um, a jury of your peers. So um, they're going to judge both of them. And Kyburn then tells Cersei that this old rumor that she mentioned to him, there's some truth in it. Um, so I'm not sure what that means. That's very interesting. What is he talking about? Maybe we will see before the season ends. Then we go to River Run. Brienne and Pod are there. Um, Brienne sees Jamie, and some soldiers come up to them. They've reached the perimeter, and she says, Well, I need to speak with Jamie Lannister. You can tell him I'm here. While she's in Jamie's tent speaking with him, Pod's outside. Bron sneaks up on him, and he puts him in a chokehold, um, and he jokes around with them because, of course, they knew each other when um, Pod was Tyrion's squire, and Bron was Tyrion's like, right-hand man and protector. So, Pod tells Bron that Brienne is training him to fight. Braun says, really? Well, if she teaching you this and that? And he decides him to give him a lesson of his own, uh, which is a pretty good lesson. It's about, you know, people sneaking up on you. So then we go into the tent with Jamie and Brienne, and Jamie's telling her how proud he is of her for rescuing Sansa. He's actually surprised that Sansa's still alive. And um, he says that, you know, that puts him in a little bit of a quandary because Cersei wants Sansa in... Um, Conjunction with Joffrey's death to see if, you know, she believed she had something to do with it. But Brienne says, Well, I'm here to talk to the Blackfish. Um, Sansa needs his help to regain Winterfell. She wants to take her seat as the Lady of Winterfell. Um, and Jamie says, Well, what army are you going to be using? And she says, Well, we'll be using the Tully Army. But Jamie says, Well, they're a bit busy right now. So Brienne says, Well, you know, it's really crappy that you give the phrase this castle because they betrayed Rob Stark, who they were Bannermen to, and, um, she says, "Jamie, you know, I know there's honor in you, but he says, you know, I can't go against my house, so once again, this Lannister thing, this thing with him and Cersei is pulling him down from being the good person that he can be, <laughs> um, she talks Jamie into letting her enter River Run so she can negotiate with the Blackfish and get him to surrender the castle and go north with her um, to help Sansa. But Brienne wants Jamie's word that he will grant the Tully Army safe passage north if they leave. Then she tries to give him back the sword Oathkeeper, but he won't take it back. He says he gave it to her for a purpose um, and she achieved it, but it won't always be hers. She says, um, if she fails to take talk the Blackfish into surrendering and they have to fight, then she's going to be compelled to fight for the Tullys, since Sansa is related to them, and then she's going to be fighting against Jamie. And he says, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Brienne makes it into the castle later. Um, she's talking to the Blackfish. He won't surrender. He says, you know, I haven't seen Sansa since she was a little girl. I don't know her signature. I don't know that this has anything to really do with her and I'm not going to give up my home. Um, he thinks that Brienne is possibly working with Janie, but she tells him what she did for Catelyn and that she will continue protecting Sansa until the day she dies. So, this provokes him to finally read the letter. He says that Sansa is exactly like her mother, but he doesn't have enough men to help her take Winterfell back, and he still won't give up on River Run, his family home. So, Brienne tells Pod to send a raven to Sansa and tell her that she failed. So, that's strike two. First, Jamie met with the blackfish. He tried to get him to surrender um then brienne came she said okay i'll get him to surrender and leave then the castle will be yours and that didn't work so finally jamie comes to plan three and he visits edmore he apologizes for the phrase treatment of him edmore says you know my uncle's never going to surrender the castle but jamie says well i can arrange for you to be at casterly rock you have a new son that you conceived on your wedding night they can, um, your wife and your son can come to Casterly Rock, you can live there, you'll be a prisoner, but your son can get um, taught by knights and maesters and be smart and do this and do that and have this great life, and Edmore says, well, you know, I've never met my son, I haven't seen my wife since my wedding night, and, um, you know, he says, Jamie is an evil man, and Jamie says, well, you know, I'm sorry that your family rebelled against the crown, but there are consequences. So then Edmore asks Jamie how he lives with himself, because you have to know you're a, you're a decent person in order to sleep at night. And he doesn't know how Jamie can convince himself that he's decent, because Jamie is an evil man, according to Edmore. And Jamie says, you know, I was your sister's prisoner once, but I didn't hate her. I actually admired her edmore says he doesn't care he doesn't want to talk about his sister and jamie says you know i was in awe of the love that she had for her kids and um it's very similar to cersei and how she feels about her children they would both do anything for them and he says the things we do for love which of course it goes back to episode one when bran caught him and cersei in the tower at winterfell and he pushed bran out the window hoping to kill him Jamie admits to Edmore, yeah, I love Cersei. Yeah, we're sleeping together. I don't care how you feel about that. But in order to get back to her, I have to take back River Run. So I'll take your son and launch him from a catapult into River Run if that's what it takes. I'll slaughter whoever I have to in order to get back to Cersei. So Edmore kind of breaks at that point. And he goes to the edge of the drawbridge to enter River Run and to talk with the blackfish. The blackfish tells the men not to let him in, but the men say, Well, he's actually the lord of River Run. You're not. We're supposed to listen to him. And the blackfish says, Don't do it. It's a trap. But the men decide to lower the drawbridge anyway. And um, Edmore comes in. He doesn't look very happy at what is about to happen. Uh, He looks at the blackfish, and then he goes up to the battlements to talk to the rest of the men. He commands all the soldiers to lay down their arms and to lower the gate for the Lannister army. He is surrendering the castle as their lord. Then he says to go find the blackfish and to put him in irons to hand him over to the Freys. Um, But the blackfish is nowhere to be found, because he is showing Brienne and Pod to a boat underneath the castle... In order for them to get away but he says that he's not going with them he ran from the wed- Red Wedding and he can't do it again. Brienne urges him to go north but he says that she'll serve Sansa far better than he ever could that he's got to stay and basically give himself um, fight to the death so he draws his sword and he goes up to fight um, and we see the Lannister sigil is being draped over the castle walls. They've completely taken over the castle at this point. Um Jamie is standing up there and a soldier comes and tells him that they found the blackfish. And Jamie says, Oh, that's good, bring him to me. But they say, Well, he's dead. He died fighting. And uh that's that's real honor, and Jamie knows it. Jamie, I mean, I do feel bad for Jamie because He does get a bad rap on a lot of things. He's put in some pretty tough situations sometimes. You know, again, with the king slaying thing. Yeah, but the king was an evil king that was killing and burning people alive. And was going to blow up King's Landing. So, you know, but then I do see the point of, yes, well, you swore an oath to protect him and you killed him. Because you stabbed him in the back. So... Jamie sees that um, Brian and Pod got away, that they're going up the river in this little boat, and he waves goodbye to Brian. And uh, they're both kind of looking at each other like, yeah, we're always on the opposite side of the fence. We go to Bravos and we open on Lady Crane. She is making her speech again when Joffrey's died in the play. And she's just phenomenal. She's actually really put more feeling into it. The rage that Arya talked about. And she's got the audience in the palm of their hands. Like they're literally wiping tears away from their eyes. And this is a play that's just showing farting like every five minutes. So that's a pretty good thing. Um, She gets done. She goes backstage. And she finds Arya hiding behind some costumes. She's wounded and she's bleeding out. So Lady Crane patches her up. And Arya asks what happened to the actress that tried to have her killed. And Lady Crane says, well, you know, she's not going to have a lot of luck finding any work as an actress because I messed up her face. Um, She really likes Arya, Lady Crane. She invites her to come to Pentos with them. That's where they're going next. And she even offers her the role of Sansa, which is kind of funny. Because she is, you know, the other Stark girl. Sans is actually her sister. And uh, the other funny thing is that she went to this actress who, um, her portrayal of Cersei makes me like things about Cersei. I know the truth about Cersei and the fact that she's just a spoiled brat. So that makes me um, not be behind her like I would be behind somebody like Daenerys. And... Um, it's, I don't know if ironic is the right word for it, but Arya hates Cersei. Cersei had a lot to do with her father being killed, and uh, as well as Syrio Forel and other people, and um, she was on Arya's list. She is on Arya's list, and yet Arya has this relationship, this spark, with this woman who is playing a woman that she hates, And when Arya sees her acting as this woman that she hates, she actually empathizes with her in a way. Uh, So it's very interesting. Anyway, all that to say that um, Lady Crane's helping her. They seem to have this bond. um, But Arya says, I can't go with you to Pentos. You wouldn't be safe. The other people wouldn't be safe. Not while this girl is looking for me so Lady Crane asks you know who is this girl and Arya says well she doesn't have a name and uh, then she asks well where will you go and Arya says well you know Essos is east and Westeros is west but what's west of Westeros and Lady Crane says the edge of the world and Arya says yeah you know I'd like to see that so um, she keeps doctoring Lady Crane keeps doctoring Arya uh, nursing her back to health and she gives her milk of the poppy um, to help her sleep, but Arya is kind of hesitant because obviously she's going to be knocked out, won't be able to defend herself. But in the end, she drinks it. Um, Lady Crane comes back to check on Arya later. Arya's been sleeping; she's still asleep. So Lady Crane goes into the other room, and I think she's getting more milk of the poppy, but she's got it hidden on top of some furniture. So she gets up on a step stool and uh the camera pans around you see this man behind her that you just know has got to be the waif with a face on and um lady crane turns around she sees the man this noise happens aria wakes up she runs into the other room lady crane is on the floor she's dead and the waif comes out and says you know this is all your fault she could have died um without a struggle if you'd just killed her like you were supposed to but you know she didn't know i had to kill her and uh the many-faced god was promised a name um and he was also promised another name your name so aria runs she jumps from the balcony and the waif's running after her so they're running through bravos aria is able to dip inside somewhere it turns out to be a men's bathhouse but she comes out on another side Um, But the Waif's there. She's running and jumping from buildings after Arya. Arya just can't get away from her. She runs as fast as she can. And she rolls down a lot of stairs, knocking over people's fruit baskets. She's gone through the market. And um, her wounds have opened up. She's bleeding again. And she's losing energy. And yet the Waif is just still right on her tail. Aria um, climbs down another stairwell she's gotten through to some short stairwell it's not well populated and uh, she's leaving bloody hand marks all over the walls which I assume is on purpose for the waif to be able to find her so the waif goes inside this building and she finds Aria and she tells Aria it'll all be over soon and she asks if she wants to die on her knees or on her feet But Arya draws out her sword, Needle, and the wave says, that's not going to help you. Haven't you learned anything yet? Uh, And then Arya swings Needle, she cuts off the top of the candle, and it's dark inside the room. Then later, we go into the Hall of Faces. We see Yakin walking around. He sees blood on the floor, so he follows the trail. And what does he find in the Hall of Faces? But the wave's face is hanging on one of the hooks. He turns around, Arya is there to confront him, and he says, you know, you told the waif to kill me. He says, yes, but here you are, and there she is. And uh, he says, finally, a girl is no one. So he's accepted her, allegedly, I guess, maybe because she's alive and the waif isn't, but she says, a girl is Arya Stark of Winterfell, and I am going home. And um, she leaves, and he smiles and he gives her a nod. So it seems like he agrees, he understands, he's all for this. Maybe this is all part of the big plan somehow. Um, so Arya is going home. In Marine, all of the Red Priestesses are doing exactly as Kinvara said they are singing Danny's praises to the crowd. Varys and Tyrion are, are walking around. Um Varys is going uh, on a ship somewhere. He's trying to find allies for Danny and Westeros. So that leaves Tyrion with his gray worm and Massande. Um and Tyrion is happy that there's peace. He feels kind of accomplished in the fact that he was able to keep peace while Danny's gone. Um they toast to Danny over some wine. Uh, that's the first time gray worms drink wine. Um, Missandei has drank it once or twice, but she's enjoying it. Uh, Worm, I'm not so sure. Um, Tyrion says that once Danny has conquered the Seven Kingdoms, he wants to have his own vineyard called the Imp's Delight, and he will only make wine for his friends, so I would hope to be one of those friends. Um, then he asks Missandei to tell him a joke, but she doesn't know any. So then he tells this joke about a Stark, a Lannister, and a Martell are in a tavern. And they're each handed a glass of wine with a fly in it. Well, the Lannister, of course, goes off, yells and screams. The Martell um, picks up the bug, eats it, then drinks the wine. And the Stark picks up the bug and says something like, squeeze it out squeeze it out you bugger i don't know if it's like talking about the wine that the fly might have drank that the stark wants back anyway apparently it's funnier in westeros they didn't get it (laughs) um so then missandei tells a joke about um two scribes on a boat and i don't know i can't remember it it's cute but not not really funny and then uh, Grey Worm kind of somehow tells a joke saying that um, the jo- that her joke wasn't funny. Um, so they're having a good time. They're laughing. They're finally breaking down these barriers of, you know, Tyrion's way of thinking and his affluence um, and their way of thinking uh, from their oppression. So um, it's really good because Tyrion, you know um, when people are privileged, they don't always realize they're privileged, I think Tyrion definitely does, but he doesn't always realize the way that he acts to people who are not, um, so it's good to see them, um, getting along, but of course, that's not for long, the bells start ringing, they go outside, and the masters have come back to wage war on Marine. There, all these ships are coming, and Misende says they came to get their property back. So they were not happy with Tyrion's agreement. Basically, they just went home and gathered their army because they want to come back and defeat them, get rid of the Dragon Queen, bring back all the slaves. So the masters are tearing up the city. They're launching these fiery catapults um, into the pyramids. Um, hell's breaking loose everywhere. And Tyrion tells Grey Worm and Missandei, you know, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I, I tried to reason with them like men, but, you know, obviously you're right, um, they're not normal men. Uh, Grey Worm tells Tyrion, you know, you don't know about military strategy, you really need to let me figure out how to do this, we don't need to go here and fight, we need to stay in the Pyramid and wait for the Masters to come to us, because this is the most secure place. Then they hear something on the roof of the pyramid, so We really don't know what's about to happen. And um, they go out to the balcony to see who it is. And it is Queen Daenerys. Uh, she has just landed on top of the pyramid and gotten off of Drogon. He's flying off in the background. And they all bow to her as she enters the room. And that is the end of this episode. Um, so... Um, a lot going on. I mean a bit of some filler with River Run, but something I think we had to see. It made sense. Um, you know, Arya has finally killed that horrible girl and she's abandoned the house of black and white. Um, she's heading back to Westeros. And uh Jamie Jamie was once again forced to sacrifice the good part of himself so he can get back to Cersei. Cersei who's just gonna keep dragging him down. Um, Cersei's definitely screwed if she can't do trial by combat. So I don't know what she's gonna do. And what is Kyburn talking to her about? What is this secret rumor thing? Um, and fortunately Danny's arrived back in Marine just in time for another battle, uh, with her head dragon. So maybe she can get the other two in line and they can do something. Um her Dithraki should be on the way, and um, hopefully we will see them um, cut down the masters for good this time. So that's all I have for this episode. Um, I have two more episodes to go. And then I really wanted to do an episode of what I think is going to happen in season seven, um, which I might do before I finish the next two episodes. I'm only a few days away from Sunday. Um, due to a death in my family, I got a little behind in my podcasting, um, schedule. So, um, I will most likely be doing that maybe tomorrow or the next day and then finishing up the other two episodes. So, uh, thanks for listening. If you have questions, comments, crazy theories, you can email me at gamesforthethrone at gmail.com. You can also like me on Facebook at games for the throne and on Twitter. It's at games for the throne, but the four is actually the number four. You can also check out my Games for the Throne blog on 3cstudio.net and that's where I'm going to be putting um, episodes of the podcast as well. There will be lots of news. Um, I've talked about different theories. You can go on there and see what all's on there. So I'll see you next time.